The podcast at DC is brought to you by The Lab at DC, an applied research team in the executive office of the mayor for the District of Columbia. We're working every day to apply scientific insights and methods to improve district policies and programs. Learn more at thelab.dc.gov. Principals sit at the nerve center of our public schools. They build relationships in the community, set the tone for students, lead teacher development, and handle administrative needs. They lay the foundation for teachers so that students can excel. But when principals leave, that foundation is shaken a little, sometimes a lot. And when turnover feels like a revolving door of new principals, schools start to suffer. I'm Carissa Minnick. And I'm Sam Quinney. And on today's podcast, we're talking about principal mobility and solutions to it with Abe Teklis-Lassi, Associate Professor of Educational Leadership and Policy Studies at the George Washington University. I actually want to go back to the beginning. I think one of the most striking things you mentioned is is being a principal at age 25. Can you just say a little bit about what you were like as a 25-year-old and your professional preparedness to be a school leader? When I was 25, when I was hired as a principal, right after graduating from college, I was assigned as a principal, a high school principal in South East Ethiopia, and I was the only graduate from university. None of the teachers have a bachelor's degree. One day I was in front of my office, and a parent came and said, I want to see the principal. I can't blame him because I was so young, and his image of the principal is somebody who is in 40s at least. I've never been a teacher, so to be a principal without having a teaching experience and leading the teachers who are 15 plus years experience is not easy. However, I was able to manage only because I was a people person. I trusted the teachers. And the school that I was assigned to was considered one of the most difficult schools. No principal state because the teachers, the principals always fight. In addition, during that time, the country was under Marcus's regime. So the principal is considered as part of the leadership of the district by the county, I mean, political party. So they invited me and I refused. And I, am, I said, uh, my role is to do my job as a representative of the Minister of Education, the instructional job, and not to rally with political people. And then, you know, my, there is a rift between me and the party. And that created, created a condition where teachers started to trust me. The reason teachers didn't trust previous principals was that most previous principals sided with the party. And most teachers are again at the party. So working with the teachers created harmony between me and the teachers. Mm, so I have a feeling we're going to come back to that. To jump right into the challenge of principal mobility, though, what do we actually mean when we say that there's high turnover? The rate of uh, principal turnover in the United States is about 20%, uh, which is considered as 
dysfunctional turnover. In other successful systems in other countries, the rate of turnover is about 5 to 6 percent. So the percentage of turnover in the United States uh, compared to um, the size in other systems is pretty high. Right. So turnover is obviously inefficient in any industry. Uh, but what is it about principals leaving their positions that causes such a problem? Principals basically are a significant force for school success and achievement. Principals are the face of the school. There is no documented evidence or research in the past that suggested that there is a great school without having the benefit of working with great principals. The way principals impact student achievement is direct and indirect. Principals influence student achievement indirectly through the creation of good working climate that are necessary for teachers to work. So principals are the forces that keep teachers. Principal turnover is related to teacher turnover. So when principals stay, teachers also stay. Principals influence student learning by creating professional development opportunities, opportunities for instructional leadership for teachers. And principals create a successful school by using their boundary-spanning role, which is working with the community outside the school. Principals as a filter that actually navigate all the environmental influences and use those resources after navigating the environment to the benefit of the school. Principals are the bridge between the school and the community. So when principals leave, the school will lose the leadership talent capacity and the connection that uh, the principals have created, not only inside the school but outside the school. So those connections will be lost. So principal leadership loss means the loss of human capital that keeps together everybody in the school. Okay, so let's pivot to the obvious question. Why are principals leaving at such a high rate? Sometimes there is this tendency to assume that the all departing principals are the same. They are not the same. People who move and people who leave are not the same. Also, for the school, that principal left, either the principal is moving or leaving, the impact is the same. But overall, as a system, as a district, the implication for lever and mover behavior are not the same. Uh, lever behavior, when principals leave the system, for example, or the principals all together, it creates shortage of leadership talent available in the system overall. When principals move, however, the total leadership talent available in the system is the same, but it creates inequity in the distribution of leadership resources available within the system. Particularly, given those moves often happen from low-income, high-need schools towards less-need schools, the leadership inequity is very significant. It's significant because the leadership value added effect is two times greater in high need schools compared to less need schools. So leadership actually makes the most impact in high need schools. So are we expecting too much from our principals? 
The job of the principal is getting increasingly complex. Principals do almost everything. The leadership and managerial activities. Principals every day must show up to the school in order to make sure that everything is right before destruction commences. Principals uh, on the managerial side work on, on budgets. Principals recruit teachers. Principals handle the student disciplinary problems. Principals has to pacify enraged parents. All at the same time, principals are being expected to be instructional leaders, support teachers, so that teachers become uh, exceptionally good teachers to support instruction. You know, and also increasingly difficult for principals these days is meeting accountability requirements from federal, state, and district. So principals have a lot of paperwork in order to meet accountability requirements. And also principals are dealing with what we call innovative fatigue. Every single day there are new policies that principals need to implement even before we see the impact of the policies that were introduced before. Switch is a very confusing environment to be a principal. These all things combined create an environment where the job of principal is difficult to manage and some actually call it a job of a super principal. So how do we fix this problem? Do we need to pay principals more? Many times people tend to see salary as the only, as the only factor that keeps principals around. Yes, salary is necessary and we need to pay principal working wage. But most importantly, principals will stay around when they have the autonomy to work in the system, when they have instructional and administrative autonomy, when they have the ability to hire teachers themselves. So that type of autonomy is necessary for principals. And instructional leadership autonomy, that allows them to craft the curriculum and instructional materials, also necessary for principals. These days, principals don't have resources that they can make decisions on. So those resources are really very necessary for principals to have. Also, in high-need school environments, where principal turnover seems to be very high, principals need tenure protection. Without tenure protection, there is a feeling that if principals do not do everything right, they will lose their job the next day. But leadership is also uh, trying new ideas, new things, which requires risk. And by not providing terrorist protection for principals, we are denying their ability to take risk for innovation and change. Can you say more about this idea of extending tenure? Principals need time in order to succeed, to try new things. In the environment where their contract is year after year, principals do not really have the energy even to try new things. I think when people think of tenure, especially in an education context, they often think of the person that can't be fired or will be sticking around for 
ever and and be a drain on all these resources from the school district. I wonder if if one of the ways to think about tenure in the context of these effects that you talk about of being longer term of a principal is to is to look at the contracts that we're giving to principals and whether there's an idea of saying when we hire a principal we're committing to we're committing to your contract at least as long as you don't break any laws for four or five years. If we remove you we are still going to fulfill your contract as long as you haven't broken the rules, but we have to, as a school district, uh, own that expense. And I wonder if you think that might have some effect on both how we recruit and hire teachers and then also free up that ability to take, take risks. Yeah. I think it depends how we see tenure. I'm a tenured professor, okay? As a tenured professor, the university granted me the autonomy to do my job right, when tenure granted to me, personally, I believe that I'm even more responsible than if I were not tenured because I have the trust of my institution. I think we can translate this concept to principals as well. If we make really careful decision who to hire and develop, provide support, and then we, if we honor those uh, people with tenure, I think we are asking them to be even more responsible to the kind of decisions that, that they make. While at the same time, we are providing them the opportunity to experiment, to introduce new ideas, to try new things without risking their job because they are really doing their job. So in my sense, once we really make a decision to hire the right people, tenure is not you know, an excuse for, for somebody really to slack. And you know, we have never tried that before. We only, you know, we always uh, have this fear that, you know, if we grant a tenure, then, you know, people will just use tenure as an excuse. But in my belief, we are hiring professional principals. As a professional, you have to really live up to the idols, which requires you not only to do your job right uh, every single day, but also to innovate, to experiment to distinguish yourself from somebody who is not professional. And professionals, I don't think, will really abdicate their responsibility because they have the tenure. So you're kind of saying that tenure is us instilling trust in you as a principal. But that makes me think then that maybe there's something we should re-examine in how we're hiring principals. You know, are there things that we should be doing differently when we evaluate candidates and bring them into our district so that we can feel more confident in extending that trust and giving them the space to innovate? That's where principal preparatory programs and districts really need to work closely. Sometimes somebody who has finished from excellent university or finished with kumakum laude or finished with high ratings based upon their academic criteria are not perhaps, you know, the best principals. When we prepare principals uh, from the quality side, from the input side, from what we do in the preparation program, we see their knowledge, skill, and disposition. Disposition is always missed. Disposition it is your fortitude. It's your, your judgment in order to do the right thing. It's really using your knowledge wisely. So, particularly in an environment where the work demand is very tiring, such as in high-need school environment, uh, you will be resilient. And, and you, you know, the ability to really uh, push back when conditions are not right. 
So when preparation programs and the universities work together, it's possible to see not only the knowledge and the skills the principal has, but also the disposition to be a leader. And the only way you can know those leaders is when you have good partnership between schools and universities. So we obviously need to be preparing principals for the job while they're in their degree programs. But what about actually learning on the job? What about field experience? When principals serve as teachers, they understand the challenges actually teachers face when they work with the students. Your job as a principal is to help teachers to become good teachers. If you don't have the teaching experience, you don't have credibility in the eyes of the teachers. They see you as a bureaucrat sitting there to push papers. You will have credibility. You can speak the same language when you have enough teaching experience. Sometimes there's a tendency to hire people from business who don't have teaching experience. In my view, that's a mistake. Well, what about ways we might rethink the actual work of the principal? Earlier, I think you called the job uh, something of a, a super person. Districts must consider using many innovative models that research suggests are beneficial in order to make the work of principal manageable, as well as to keep principal in their office, such as a co-principal model where two principals actually share the job. Uh, one could focus more on managerial activity of the job, the other could focus on the instructional side of the work. Or they can rotate that job. And the other is the distributive leadership framework where teacher leaders will take an opportunity in order to participate in some of those activities. That model not only alleviates the work burden from principals, but also frees the principals itself from a heroic model where we always see one principal doing everything to where everybody in the school take leadership responsibilities. What were you saying about distributing human capital and building human capital? It kind of reminds me of the analogy of, um, of a sports team coach who doesn't focus necessarily on wins and losses, but focuses on the process of doing the work of the team and doing it the right way. And then the results are a result of that. You also mentioned that, that for these sorts of things, maybe it takes a, several years to measure performance. But I want to focus in on one thing you said, which is that we need to use some broad proxies for these measures. Do those proxies currently exist that we could use, or are these things that we need to develop as a society that cares about education? Do we need to develop new proxies for those, those cultural and human capital factors? I believe that one way I could measure principal success is based upon the retention of teachers. From research after research, we know that among the three top factors why teachers leave is based upon the leadership of the school. Teachers measure work environment based upon the quality of the leader, the support they get from the leader. So if there is high teacher retention, especially in high-need school environment, that's one measure I would consider a successful criteria for effective principal. Because keeping teachers around in high-need schools, it takes really a lot of talent. It takes a lot of leadership. I'm not denying that student achievement should not, should not be taken into account. It should be taken into account, not on a year-to-year basis, though. 
We need to keep those teachers and principals around and then hold them accountable after two, three years rather than every single year. So what sort of things as, as a school district or as a country should we be thinking of when we try to measure principal success over time so that we know what sort of goals we should be giving a principal to shoot for and what we should be measuring them against to know that we're identifying the right principals to stay in their schools and also identifying the principals that maybe this isn't the right fit for them. I believe that the way to measure principal effectiveness is based upon how much human capital they build in their schools from year to year. What type of leadership capacity do principals create among teachers? How do principals foster professional development opportunities so that principal teachers take the leadership of their own growth and development? How much uh, leadership IQ exists in the school is really that matters the most rather than the intelligence, the capacity of a single person in the school. So every year, whenever decisions are made, it's important to see the culture that principals created for people to learn from each other. The culture of learning organization, is that is what really matters for principals. So I think every single year may not be the right way to go because principal value-added effect grows over time. We need to give principals time, at least three, four, five years, and that value-added effect grows over time. And it takes five to seven years for principals to make that impact, which is the challenge in many systems where principals actually leave prematurely in their first or second year. The podcast at DC is brought to you by The Lab at DC, an applied research team in the executive office of the mayor of the District of Columbia. Today's episode was hosted by Sam Quinney and Carissa Minnick. Check out our archive of conversations on iTunes and SoundCloud or wherever you subscribe to podcasts.